The scripture reading today is from Exodus 19, verses 1 through 11. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Amen. Uh, We've mentioned this a couple times already this morning, but uh, our speaker this morning is Pastor Pete Anderson. And uh, I am honored and thankful to call Pete a friend uh, and a father as well. And uh, Pete graduated from seminary and was excited to go be an international missionary, as he told me. Uh, And in those days, uh, some of the leaders of our denomination took him aside and said, Now, Pete, you're going to need some experience before you go overseas. So we've got some folks in Hawaii who are interested in starting a church. Why don't you just go out there for a couple years and just get that church going? There'll be some good experience, and then you can go overseas and be a missionary. Does that sound about right? Uh, So he came out here and in 1977 helped establish our church and pastored it until about 1996 when he went to Mililani and started a second church. And Pastor Todd uh, came here at that time. And so having uh, spent a short 36 years here in the island, Pete is finally ready to go be an overseas missionary. (laughs) Uh, So they are, next summer, will be uh, transitioning out of their position at uh, Trinity Central and uh, heading back to Atlanta, where he's going to be continuing running uh, an international missions organization to reach Africa and uh, Uganda. So this is a special and exciting Sunday for me, and I think for all of us to have have our our dad, our planting pastor, come back and uh, share it with us. Thank you for coming, Pete, and uh, we're excited to hear from you. Indeed, it's a great joy to be here. I feel very much at home. Uh, in fact, I just live two blocks from here, so every day I drive by here and I try to remember to pray for you guys. I bring you greetings from your sister church over in Mililani. And I look forward to times when we can gather together and have a good fellowship. Uh, Very much, I'm looking at this pulpit and I'm I'm thinking, hey, I'm in the right place. Because I I know that this pulpit was made out of a mango tree that used to sit right around here. 
And uh, the same person who made this one made one for me. It's an identical one, but I'm a little bit taller, I think, maybe than Todd. Certainly, I'm broader. So uh, they made me a bigger pulpit. But I'm used to preaching on mango and banging on it a little bit from time to time. But uh, thank you for having me uh, come back. And, you know, I appreciate uh, this opportunity. And largely today, I want to be a, a great encouragement to you. Now, two months ago, uh, I was over in Uganda, and we were holding a discipleship conference for leaders of churches uh, that we had helped plant. And we started the conference by sharing how we came to know Christ, and then we started talking about something called a spiritual genealogy. You ever heard that term? You know, you have a physical genealogy. There's your family and then your parents and your grandparents and great-grandparents and then, you know, their grandchildren and, you know, it goes the other way. And so we asked people in the audience just to stand up and share how, how did they come to Christ. And uh, several stood up and said, well, that person over there uh, led me to Christ. And then we would go to that person and we would ask, well, how, how did you come to Christ? And one of the great joys for me uh, was to hear people say, well, Pastor Pete came here 15 years ago, and uh, he had a group with him, and someone came to our hut, and they shared the gospel with us, and, and that's how we became Christians. Now, in a sense, I want to do the same thing with you uh, this morning, because uh, you have a history uh, you have, if you will, a spiritual genealogy uh, that you uh, may not know about. And so sometimes before you go excitedly into the future, it's good to look back and to remember God's faithfulness. And that's the theme this morning. Now, this is often done in Scripture. In fact, that is exactly what's happening in the text that was read to you uh, so beautifully just a while ago. Uh, God has rescued his people. Uh, he has raised up Moses, and uh, he has uh, led two million people out of bondage and slavery, and have, they've gone through the Red Sea. Amazing things have happened. And so uh, now Moses has the opportunity to go up on Mount Sinai and talk to God. And it's interesting uh, what God says. Uh, we read in verse 3 that Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. As Moses, get it right, listen very carefully, this is what I want you to say. And then verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you out on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, that's a very, very beautiful picture, and maybe you've seen this in National Geographic or somewhere where a, a beautiful mother eagle spreads out her wings, and there's a little eaglet, so to speak, and that eaglet is just learning to fly, and the mother's right there just to catch and support, you know, this young little bird until they get their wings, so to speak, and go off into the wild blue yonder. And in a sense, that's the picture that uh, is given of God. God is like that beautiful eagle, powerful and strong. And he's our stronghold. And as the children were told this morning, uh, he's our comfort. And it's an amazing thing when you think about the, the goodness and the greatness of God. Uh, Jeremiah the prophet said, For God's compassions never fail. They are new each morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, Joshua 
uh, says to the people of Israel. And we read this this morning too. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. And so what are these passages telling us? They're telling us that God is dependable. God is reliable. Uh, You got up this morning and uh, you uh, were amazed, probably not so amazed, that, hey, it's, it's daytime. And you remembered that, hey, maybe the the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west, and that's God. That's God being reliable. That's God being faithful. Uh, The the earth right now is turning on its axis, and that's what creates uh, day and night, I'm told. Right? And you you think about it. God God is faithful. And, And who is behind all this? Jesus the book of Colossians, we read that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of all things, that he's the, the faithful God. And so uh, what I want to do for you today is to show you, to talk to you about God's faithfulness right here on this property. And um, I have an advantage in doing this, and I think an advantage over all of you. And the advantage is that I'm an antique. I'm a, I'm a relic from the past. I'm old, and so I'm sort of a walking history book about this church. And it's amazing uh, what God has done. i take you back to uh, 1977. I think it was June. Uh, most of you were probably were not born. I had just graduated from seminary, and Martha and I took 26 bags to the airport uh, to get on a United Airlines flight and, and come to Hawaii. And the ticket taker uh, took a look at all of our bags that almost went out the door, and he said, you know, I'm feeling good today. I know uh, we got to get this airplane off on time. That was when airplanes flew on time. And uh, so he said, you can just go free. It's fine. And so they checked all of those bags. Uh, we got here, and there was a small group. And uh, the group already had a name for the church. And the name was Trinity Presbyterian Church. And I I thought, wow, they've studied the scripture. They understand about the triune God. And so they want this to be a solid church. And so they've given it a solid name like Trinity. So I asked them, well, where did you get the name? And they said, well, the denomination sent us some hymn books. And the hymn book was called Trinity Hymnal. And so we named it after the hymn book. And I thought, well, that's okay. Initially, we met in Aikahi Elementary School, and every week I would type the bulletin, and I would go over to Time Supermarket, and I would put dimes in a new invention called a copier, okay? And we would run off the bulletins, and then I would bring them back and pass them out on on Sunday morning. But even in those years, we saw God's tremendous faithfulness. God raised up men and women, pioneers, servant leaders, risk takers who were willing to take a chance, so to speak, and to come and to help. Later on, as we traveled back and forth each day, I would look at this sign on this property right here. And uh, finally, I I contacted a, a realtor, and I remember coming here the very first time. And right where you are right now, there was a cottage, a small little cottage where uh, the first assistant pastor eventually lived. And right here where we are right now, as we looked on the site plan when we purchased the property, it said the place right now where you're sitting could never be developed. Why was that? It was just on a steep hillside and there was a marsh right there. And so the idea was, well, it might be a good view, but a, a church could never be built right here. 
Well, God had another plan. Uh, Over in this direction, there was a single-family home, and in front was a, a pond filled with mosquitoes. And I think that's why no one else came to make an offer on the property, that when they come, they just got eaten up. And, and not only that, the, the house was full of dogs. It was a dog kennel. This man raised Irish setters, and he had cut holes from one bedroom to the next to the next, and the dogs had the run of the place. And so we looked at it, and we thought it was beautiful. Uh, we thought it was just the place for Trinity Church. And so at that time, we were a gigantic church. We had 26 people. And one guy stood up in the congregational meeting and said, hey, let's do it. You know, a lot of you go to Las Vegas and you blow a lot of money. Let's just take a chance. Well, that didn't sound very Presbyterian to me, but (laughs) nevertheless, God was faithful. I went down to the hardware store. I remember the very first time, it was before Hardware Hawaii moved, and, and I knew eventually the owner there, they were nice folks. And they always uh, helped us in our various uh, projects. And so I I didn't have a lot of money, but I opened a charge account. And I told them the name of the church. I got home. And and on the slip of paper when I got home, it it read Trinity Veterinarian Church. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's appropriate. I mean, we have dogs here. (laughs) And, and you know, uh, nevertheless, they hadn't heard about the Presbyterians yet. And so uh, we didn't have very much money, but the whole place needed to be renovated and brought up to some code so we could invite the public here. So I can remember going to the mainland, and uh, my father-in-law had gone to an old gymnasium and taken all the hardware off the doors. And so I stuffed it in my bags and came back, and that was the original doorknobs and and handicap bars and everything that we put in the initial building. God was really good. God was faithful. He always brought the right people. You know, initially in the church, there just happened to be uh, an architect. And there happened to be carpenters. And there happened to be people who were really good with their hands, and they would work hard. One time, a a little group of us uh, went to Maui. It seemed that one of the elders, the early elders, was a contractor. And he had built a a huge uh, set of houses over there and had a whole bunch of stuff left over. So we went over there. Uh, we flew in, we got on our bicycles, we pedaled uh, 26 miles to the, the site. Uh, we loaded up everything eventually on a barge. We brought it back here, and a large portion of the initial construction, uh, that's where God provided all of the stuff. It, it's an amazing thing what, what God has done. Um, one night when we were involved in the construction um, I was working at probably about 2 o'clock in the morning right over here, and I had my saws and everything, and we were knocking out walls. Uh, we were taking the living room and trying to turn it into a, a sanctuary. And the police came because somebody had seen lights on. They hadn't seen lights over here at night, and we were making probably a little bit too much noise. And so one policeman came from one side of the building, and another came, and he said, Who are you? And I was sort of startled, and and he was a little bit nervous. He looked as well, even though he was carrying his gun. And uh, I said, you know, I know you're not going to believe this. I know I'm filthy, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, but uh, I'm the pastor of this church. And and then I said in a cocky way, uh, ask me anything in the Bible. (laughs) 
I was so glad I knew the answer. It turned out that, that he was a Christian. And so, so what I want you to know by all of that is that, that God has been very, very faithful. And that again and again, uh, people that we needed later on when the school was started, it seemed like the last moment God would always provide the right Christian teachers. I wanted you to know about some of the early people in the church. Now, Gary Watanabe was one of the first ruling elders. He went on to become a missionary in Mexico and the Philippines and in New York City. And then there was the Owens family that went to be missionaries in Japan. And almost from the very beginning, we supported missionaries. Uh, the Watanabes there in Mexico, the Parks in Korea, the Burgies in France, and the Taylors in the Philippines. Uh, one of our very special missionaries was my brother, Sidney Anderson, who was a missionary in Nigeria. And Sid went and uh, lived in a thatched uh, home, uh, thatched roofed home for uh, 15, 16 years. And they saw in the Teve tribe 500,000 converts. That's the type of faithful God that we, we have. A God of great power who uses a broken people and all kinds of people. Well, in 1980, we didn't start Trinity Christian School. As I recall, the name was Trinity Children's Community. And we were vastly wealthy by then, and we had $1,000 to start the school. And we received a gift of equipment and chairs from a Buddhist preschool that was going out of business. And so that's how we started, with a whole lot of volunteers and a few workers that were paid. My daughter was in the first class, and Martha there was the director, and uh, later on the principal in the elementary school. The children were taken home in my VW van. It took me years to forgive the teachers for scratching it up. Uh, one of the students was Marie Thomas. She's now a missionary with the Presbyterian Church in America. Uh, she's been living in a closed country until... Uh, it was so dangerous in the last couple of months she's had to leave. But she's a girl who grew up here and went to Sunday school here. Her father was an elder in this church. And uh, for the last several years, she's been wearing a burqa every day, uh, walking through trash heaps, ministering to people as a paramedic, and looking for opportunities in a Muslim country to share the gospel. Then there was an interesting couple and you need to know this because this is your spiritual genealogy. A couple came in. I knew the gal very well. I didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't know the guy. I knew the gal, and they wanted to get married, and they were anxious to get married right away. And so I asked the young man to give uh, his testimony, and he said, "Well, I'm not a Christian at all." And I, I said, "Well, you know that might." pose a problem here because I have this policy of only marrying people who are Christians. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, well, wait a minute. Who, who are you to say that we can't get married here? He said this, I am a member of Mensa. I'm one of the smartest people you've ever met. Why would you not let me get married here? And I said, well, you know, we, we go to the Bible, the Bible here and we're trying to do everything that's right. And, and so um, uh, here's some books. You're so smart. You're such a brilliant person. I gave him all my apologetics books and some other books. And I said, go and read those and come back. And he did. 
And over in Kaneohe, where Denny's is now, there was a restaurant, and Martha and I were sitting there with him, and Martha asking, well, what prevents you from becoming a Christian right now? He couldn't think of anything. And so he bowed his head and received Christ. And that was Dave Crenshaw. His wife is Jan. He went on to become a PCA minister. He's retired now. Again, I'm old. All right. There were a number of other people in the church. There were several families from the Coast Guard in the, the early days of the church. And one was Bob Illman. Uh, he was a lawyer. He later became a pastor and a Christian school administrator. Um, there was a, a habit that we had when people came in those days. It was still okay to go visit people. And so we would send teams out to visit. And we had to train them, of course, first. And so one person that we trained was a lady named Janine Lewis. And she had to go and practice with someone, so she practiced with her husband. And her husband was Alan. And Alan uh, became a Christian just through uh, the practice. And then they both started going out together. And then eventually he became a deacon in this church, one of the first deacons. And I can remember it was just hot as blazes in this building over here. And I remember coming in uh, one Sunday morning, and he had gone up in the rat-infested attic up there, cleaned everything out, put fans all up and down the aisles of the sort of semi-auditorium over there. And it was just wonderful. But here's the deal. They had two children. Kelly was the daughter and Kelly now is working with the Wycliffe Bible translators in Tanzania, Kelly Lewis Nichols. And their son is working in a Christian ministry in California. Now, one of the frustrations that we have always had with this church and with my church is that people come and people go, right? And sometimes we like to ignore it. We don't like to say goodbye. It's, it gets to be hard. It gets to be a, a headache. But you know what? Think about it in this way, in a very positive light. How is God using us? Think of the hundreds and hundreds of people who have come here and been blessed and then gone out and become elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers and missionaries all across this planet. God has been using you. You have a tremendous a spiritual genealogy. Well, the time came for the school to grow, and we started with a preschool, and then we had a, another a sort of pre-K program and a kindergarten, and we started adding grades, and each year Martha would come to me, and, and she'd say, okay, we've got to knock out another wall. Well, we ran out of walls. And I remember going to the first treasurer, who was Bill Long. He was the treasurer of this church. And I would tell him about, you know, the need and how much it was going to cost. And he would look at me, you know, sort of sheepishly. And, and sometimes I later found out that he, he financed some of these rooms and, and all that he just gave out of his heart. He was a business professor at UH. And so we added one room after another after another. And it's, it's interesting, the bottom floor of this building over here was built by one of the preschool parents, Harry Sonoda. He had a masonry company right here in Kailua. And he came and worked hard, gave us a great discount. And then we hired uh, two men, two carpenters, and they built the whole building. And since we didn't have any money, amazing things happened. We would just pay him on Friday, and if we didn't have enough money for the next week, we'd give him a little bit of a break. But about that time, there was a doctor at Tripler who was ready to move. And he came and he brought uh, to the elders of this church the deed to his house. 
And he said, I want you to sell it. He said, you'll have to pay off uh, the the loan that's still uh, at the bank, but you'll have some money left over and you can keep building. And so we did. And amazing things happened. We were able to finish the building by the grace of God. We continued to add one grade after another after another, so much so by the time that we left in the middle of the 1990s, uh, the elementary school was completed. And again, every year was just amazed. You know, we would need three or four teachers and there would be one week to go. And we had passed over so many people just feeling that maybe they weren't the ones, but finally they came. Well, around about 1995, we drew up plans for this building. They were later changed around a little bit, but I remember working on this plan. And if you'd like to know why all these crazy beams are up here and why they're going in different directions, I'll explain that to you after the service, okay? But nevertheless, one day uh, there was a knock at my door, and uh, my office was in the other building, and a man delivered a check for $500,000 from a, a local foundation here. And that money was the initial money that was used to uh, build this building. About two weeks later, we had uh, our elder meeting, and I resigned. And I I felt like that was the time for me to go. I felt like uh, God had brought me here and that uh, there was still work to do. And I asked uh, the elders, there were 12 elders, to allow me to take six of them with me and go over to the other side of the island. Well, it took many months. But during that time, there were two families. Humble, wonderful people. One was Ernie and Peggy Everett. I remember coming down here late one night trying to figure out why the lights were on. and It was their anniversary and they were celebrating by painting the auditorium. Uh, Ernie was a captain in the Navy, but on Sunday he often took care of the nursery. Then there was Jim and Mary Meyerhoff, who lived right up the road here, and and we started a Bible study over in Leeward, Oahu, and uh, they would always bring the food, and the Bible study began to grow. And so finally, that church and this church were pretty much the same size, and it was time for me to go, and, and so I was sent out as a missionary. That's what I've always been. I was a missionary when we, uh, before we came here to Mexico. Uh, again, I promised the Lord, okay, I'll stay here five years. I overstayed my welcome now by 31 years, but I'm going to go back to my original thing. I, I believe God has called me. And the reason that I say this is that I, I want to really give God the glory for what he has done. And, and I want you to be aware of some of it. Well, we, we moved over. In uh, 1995, and I continued to preach in both churches for a number of months, but eventually um, it was just too much to do. There was uh, 35 minutes between services, and I confess I broke a number of laws, but I got here every week. Um, And now that was 18 years ago. And after I was there for a couple of years, a friend invited me to go to Uganda. And uh, that changed the whole direction of my ministry, and I've since gone every year. And God has uh, helped plant 19 or 20 churches there, and we've constructed 34 different buildings. 
In addition, we have now three orphanages, uh, a small hospital, a radio station, uh, Trinity Radio, of course, and uh, we're, we're getting ready to start in a few months Redeemer Radio. And so who are these people? Who is the mother of all of these people? Thousands of people. You are. It all started right here in this church. And so I want to introduce to you your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. Busiu Presbyterian Church. Masaka Presbyterian Church. Hoima Presbyterian Church. Fort Portal Presbyterian Church. Chinchintali Presbyterian Church. Chima Presbyterian Church. Branch Presbyterian Church. Kapchora Presbyterian Church. Kamun Aragut Presbyterian Church. Grace Presbyterian Church. Calvary Presbyterian Church. Bukwa Presbyterian Church. Swam Presbyterian Church, Sansara Presbyterian Church, Chepquesta Presbyterian Church, Sereri Presbyterian Church, Trinity Community Church. What I want you to see is that God has done something very, very special. God has worked in the hearts of cattle rustlers, cannibals, poor farmers, people who had given up hope on life, whose average income was a couple of hundred dollars a year per family. And he's transformed communities. Pastors have been educated. Thousands of people have received medical care. And I don't want to be the first one to get any credit for it all, because I know, and you know hopefully by now, that victories and battles that are won that they belong to the Lord, and they belong to the Lord. And very early, the very first year I came here, there was a little girl, 12 years old, who knelt down in a prayer meeting, and she prayed like this. Please, Lord, be with Pastor Pete. Help him to learn to preach. (laughs) You see, we we have to know who we are. We have to know our, our limitations. But what about Oahu? Some amazing things and good things are happening here. Never before have the three PCA churches been working so closely together. Todd and Nathaniel, you need to be so proud of them and encourage them. We hope to start another church in Maui. We still want to have a church uh, out in the second city. Uh, we want to help bring someone from an organization called Reform University Ministries uh, to the uh, university there and to uh, over in Manoa. And we believe that God is going to do that. We've already invested financially each of these churches. Next year, maybe uh, they've already told you, as a group, we've worked with some other believers here, and John Piper is going to come in October and have a conference that we're helping to sponsor. So I love it when people are getting together and doing things. So why am I leaving? Well, first of all, uh, I'm not really leaving because uh, I'm going to change my hats a little bit. And I'm going to quit being the senior pastor and I'm going to become an assistant pastor for missions. 
And my agreement is to come back once a year and report to the churches here that uh, have loved me and, and helped me. But there are other things that are going on, too, and you need to know about this. Because it's just a very special thing that, that God has done. About four years ago, we started an organization called Hawaii Center for World Mission. Okay? And we eventually had 38 partner churches. And the main thing that we do is teach people to be missionaries. And we have trained 262 um, missionaries short-term missionaries on this island, and we have sent them now to at least 10 different countries. And so God has done an amazing thing. Meanwhile, what's happening over there in Uganda, I just can't keep up with it. I can't do it from here anymore. Last year, this sounds very, very bad for a minister, but I got all of these groups together. You know, Say there are 100 elders and deacons all at one time. And I said, now listen, we've pushed it too far. We don't have any more resources. Don't you dare start any more churches this year. I came back and they had started two more churches. <laughs> but what that means is that disciples don't, that are really mature and are growing, what should they be able to do? They should be able to entrust what they have to faithful men who can teach other people as well. And so now we've started another organization. We've purchased 12 acres uh, north of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we purchased a big barn that's air-conditioned. It was a showroom for uh, classic cars. And we've turned it into a missionary training center. And we have eight areas of emphasis. And I wanted you to know about that. Church planting, missionary training. And by the way, we just sent out our first full-time missionary to Africa. Orphan ministries, medical missions, radio missions, leadership training, Christian education and publication. We just published um, Sunday school material for every Presbyterian church in Uganda and women's ministry. Our hope is that we can build in the woods an African village so that as groups prepare to go to Africa, they can come and live in an old thatched hut for a couple of nights. And they can eat some African food. They can find out a little bit about their teammates and how they can serve in other places. And so what I'd like you to do at this time is something a little bit unusual. I'm, I'm way over time, and um, I apologize for that. I'll come back and do the other half of the sermon. But, um, <laughs> but if this was Africa, it could be five hours, and they wouldn't care. So, But this is not Africa, I'm aware. Um, I want you to personalize what I've been saying. And so on your bulletin, right up at the first, just at the very beginning of the sermon, there's, there's a little blank there. And I want you to think of an area where God has been faithful to you. And God has not only been faithful to this church, but you are loved by this church. By, by God himself, you are, the Bible says, a treasured possession right here. You're a, a holy nation. You're a, a kingdom of priests. And you remember Peter quotes that later on, right from this passage that we've read to you today. And so maybe you could just write down one thing where God has been faithful. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe God has saved one of your loved ones. 
Maybe there's great comfort that God has given you in a hard time. Maybe God has protected you. In the first year, that was the hardest year. I had people come to me and tell me, you need to prepare to move out of Hawaii. You're never going to make it. What happened was we, we started, I mentioned, in Akahi Elementary School. And uh, we were doing great. We were up to 75 people within a few weeks, and it just seemed like, hey, this is really going to be fantastic. Then they all got deployed the next week. (laughs) There was nobody hardly there. Martha was there looking around, too. All right. In that same couple of years, initial years, we had three miscarriages, and uh, we had no building. We got a letter from the denomination saying that they had had a hard time and that they might not be able to to pay our half salary anymore. And there was a Sunday school class. And um, they made a banner, a bunch of kids in the church. Okay? And the banner had three pictures on it. It had a church building because they wanted, they believed that God would have a church building here one day. Okay? And it had a whole bunch of, a people in the church, and it had little cutout babies that they believed that one day God would provide for us children. And our testimony to you today is that God is faithful and God has provided all of those and that he's able to do much more than we could ask or think or imagine. That's the kind of faithful God that we have. And when I left here, um, I remember what I preached on the last Sunday, 18 years ago. And um, in fact, I shared the story of, of John Calvin. He got kicked out of his church, and he was gone for many years and came back and basically said, okay, when I... I got kicked out. I was at this verse, so let's just start at the next verse. (laughs) But uh, I preached from Philippians, the first chapter, on the fact that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And that what God uh, begins, he never drops people. He's the eternal God. Now, you see in this passage... An amazing thing. God does come down. All the people gather together. They take a bath. They clean up their clothes. They get ready to meet God. And God comes down. And this is what they discovered. They discovered that God was big. Bigger, more powerful than they ever guessed. The whole Mount Sinai shook. There was thunder coming up. There was balls of fire going up from the mountain. And the people were cautioned that if even they got any closer, they would die. That's what I want to happen to you. You know, if we will humble ourselves, the big mistake that churches make is that we think we can do it on our own. But you know, without Christ, we're nothing. He's the vine, we're the branches. and Without Him, we're dead. And so if we will humble ourselves like these people did, you know what they said? They said, we will obey everything you tell us to do. We will obey everything. The first fourth grade teacher in your school was Nancy Sober. 
She was a wonderful teacher. One day she brought me a little slip of paper. And I opened it. And I read it. And she said, Pastor Pete, I will do anything you ask me to do. I love that. I love that heart. And that's what God wants from you today. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to be like these people that gathered right there at Mount Sinai. He wants you to believe in a big and a powerful God and to obey Him, even when you don't feel like Let's pray. Our Father and our God, You are the faithful God. You're the God of all of history. You're the God who works everything together for good to those who love You and are called according to Your purpose. We thank You for, over the years, the people that You have brought to this property and the way that, that You are continuing to use them. We thank You for those that brought the Gospel to us and now the, the privilege to take it to the ends of the earth. Lord, You love Your church and You're calling people from every nation and tongue and tribe into Your church. And that's part of the legacy of this body. Lord, encourage their hearts, we pray through this message today. Help them to recommit themselves to the main things that You have given us to do. And in the midst of it all, we pray that you'll receive great honor and praise. And we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Um, before we sing this last song, um, uh, can we take, uh, you can stop me if you don't do this. Uh, can we take two or three minutes and, and uh, just to meditate? Uh, you can pray on your own or with your family or your friends or whoever's next to you. Um, just meditate on, on what Pastor Pete said, on, on how God has been faithful um, to each of you. Um, and then after a few minutes, then we'll, we'll close with this song. Yeah.